Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode two of Always Right with Jeff and Stephen. This week, we have got a lot to talk about. We are going to talk about Memphis and the deadly crap hole that it has become, the death of Queen Elizabeth II of England, and uh, the 9-11 retrospective, also touching on our horrendous Afghanistan withdrawal. All of that and more is coming up, along with why you should care, right after the intro. All right, our first story that we will be covering today is uh, Memphis and what's going on in Memphis. Now, we've, we've known for a long time that Memphis is not safe, especially those of us who live around here and travel there regularly. I, I love Memphis, and I, I love going to Memphis. I love going to the theater in Memphis. I love to do the things in Memphis, but it has gotten unsafe anywhere you go. I mean, the two stories we're referencing right now is uh, Eliza Fletcher. She was kidnapped early Friday morning while she was out on a job, and it's not like she was jogging in an unsafe place right jeff she was she was jogging at the university of memphis right and and it was at, at it was at an, a time where criminals should be asleep okay like if you go out at 4 30 in the morning uh you should be relative you should think that you are relatively safe but apparently not um and yeah so, unfortunately her body was discovered late monday evening and it's what most of us expected um, and, and the worst part of it is this should not have been an issue with this person. The, the man that kidnapped her should have been behind bars. He shouldn't even been out uh, terrorizing folks. Uh, her kidnapper, he had recently gotten out of prison after serving 20 years for a previous kidnapping charge. Uh, he also had a juvenile record uh, for, for sexual abuse. Like this guy had, had no business being on the street. Um, and a, a, apparently he had gotten... Uh, in trouble just the prior week with with Memphis police. Like this guy was a, a continual menace to society, uh, and we we've got to do. I, I'm not going to say we've got to do better with our policing. I feel like policing isn't our problem. I think our problem is keeping criminals behind bars. I feel like the police are doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, well, let's go ahead and and because that was not the end of Memphis's woes this no. week. Uh, later uh, on Wednesday, in an unrelated event, there was a 19-year-old man who went on a shooting spree about 1 o'clock. Uh, he ended up being apprehended about 6 a.m., and, and this guy, too, had a criminal record. He was released in March after serving 11 months of a, of a three-year sentence for attempted murder, and he just thought, hey, let me go in some random convenience stores and just shoot people. Right. So, like and we can get into a deeper conversation about just the problem with crime, um, the country over, uh, and, and it's not being uh, prosecuted uh, correctly, uh, intentionally, uh, it seems. But in these situations, um, yeah, there were both, both of these horrendous crimes were committed by people who should not have been in public, who, who should have already been behind bars. Um, uh, Eliza Fletcher, uh, was a tragic story that everybody, and, and I don't really even care to talk about the fact that she was, was heiress to a, a billion, uh, billionaires. Yeah, we could, we could talk about uh, all that. I'm, there's plenty of conspiracy theories running around about that her husband hired this guy to do this, this, that, that. We, we're not going to get into those weeks. I, I feel like that's an unnecessary conversation. Those, 
those facts will come out as the investigation continues. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not even aware of, of the criminal having been aware of this information. Uh, you know, th this just, as so far as I'm aware, seems like a predator um, a a kidnapped someone, abducted her, and 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 brutally murdered her. Um, and and we also didn't mention uh, that the the shooting spree that occurred, uh, part of it was live streamed on Facebook, um, which yeah. just tells you what what a lot of these people are after, um, as far as just. Fame. Infamy uh, to, to be to be famous at any cost to have a fifteen seconds of fame, um, and so just so their name can get blasted over the news stations and, and um, media is not helping with that with doing backgrounds and retrospectives on these people and their their tragic tragic lives up to this point. I, I'm sure they probably did have some difficulties in their lives. That does not excuse the behavior. Therefore, it does not need to be talked about. Right. So um, that that's the surface level conversation. These are horrendous acts that were performed by, you know, subhuman people, uh, it, the just dirtbags, uh, and um, that, that we could talk about that until the cows come home. It, if you watch any of the videos that are going around of Eliza Fletcher and the life that she lived, uh, you know, this was a tragic loss to the community, mm -hmm. not just because she was. A billionaire heiress but because i mean she she was a billionaire heiress that was a school teacher yeah she was you've a worked in education you've worked in yeah. education before would you work in education if you were a, a heir to a billionaire no not yeah. even a little bit not i mean i love teaching um teaching is a great passion of mine but if i had a billion dollars and i didn't have to yeah, would you work uh, would in public education? I would not. I would not work in public education. And I don't know I that she worked. In, she might have worked in private education, but she was an elementary education teacher. Yeah, she she was she she taught babies for a living. That's that's what right. she loved to do. She was, you know, people were going, "Why is she running at four o'clock in the morning?" Okay, and for those of you who don't know, people who are marathon runners this time of the year in the South, it's hot, and so it is not uncommon for. I'm not going to say us because I haven't run a marathon, but I have gotten up early to run because I'm a regular runner. It's it's yeah. common for us to get up fairly early or or wait till rather late in the evening when it's cooled off to go run. And, you know, you would think, hey, I'm running around a university at 4, 4.30 in the morning. Certainly I'm going to be safe, right? Yeah. Have you heard someone say that? Why was she running at 4 something yeah, in the morning? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that I've is, heard a lot of people be like, why that is she is running ridiculous. at 4 o'clock? How stupid can you be? Why Why yeah. are we not asking, what is a criminal, do, what is a sexual predator doing out on the prowl at 4.30 in the morning? Yeah, a, a man who should have clearly been behind bars, uh, who, I mean, after he had gotten in trouble with his previous record. I, and, and this is going to, I'm, I'm going to start the deeper conversation early. We underpunish uh, sexual criminals. We, we underpunish them. Um, like, like was mentioned in the first episode, Jeff and I are both religious. I firmly believe that the reason the government has the power of the sword, according to Romans 13, is for them to use it. Right. I mean, that that is why God has given them that authority. And, you know, if if you will kill or castrate these people who are going and, and, and pr being predators and going around and, and being menaces to society, if you will fix that problem, people will stop doing it. 
But, right. you know, we're supposed to be high-minded and, and civilized. Well, we can be high-minded and civilized all we want to while these predators are out here um, causing, wreaking havoc on our communities. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, and that expands our conversation, uh, and it, which should be expanded to a, a broader national sense. And, and so for those of you who are um, uninitiated, there's there's a big problem in America in general, uh, particularly in big cities like Memphis, of criminality uh, going unpunished. Arrests are made um, and and charges are brought um, or put forth rather, but then charges are dropped relatively mm-hmm. frequently. Uh, sentences are uh, shortened. Uh, Good behavior is given out like probably more frequently than it should be. In fact, in this case in Memphis, they just signed a a bill in July after this shooter was let out that if he had still been in uh, prison in July, he would not have been able to get out after this bill because the bill requires that certain felonies, um, those sentences be served to their full terms and and. This guy was in for attempted murder, so that Good is one Memphis. of those fel- the, the yeah that is one of those felonies that you you can't get out early uh, in Memphis because uh, uh, like when you have performed such a felony. Um, yeah, I mean we know Memphis has had a, a crime problem for a past decade or more. As a matter of fact, we live in Mississippi, and uh, I've heard several people, friends being from that area, tell me the reason we had Castle Doctrine, which. Everybody thinks of Mississippi being this deep red state. We've always carried guns. We've always done that. We it's it's only been in my lifetime that we've gotten more loose with our gun laws. And there are many people who, who are of the opinion who say that the DeSoto County, which is the area just south of Memphis, um, which is in Mississippi, which basically serves as a suburb of Memphis, that they were they were lobbying for this castle doctrine so that the crime in Memphis would would have less of a spillover effect and for for it for for most portions it, it's worked i mean and it, it's, it, they go ahead it's it's been spilling over uh, for a long time so yeah. 10 years ago um nine, eight, eight, nine years ago uh, we lived in Jackson Tennessee which is not mm-hmm. far from it was about an hour from Memphis And I mean, you talk to the community there and just Jackson has gotten progressively worse um, Mm -hmm. due to what they what they attribute to the spillover of crime from Memphis. Yeah, Um, but, you know, if we if we had a broader national conversation here, it would be the fact that crime has been on the rise ever since COVID. You know, we locked people away, didn't give them anything to do. Uh, paid them to sit home and do nothing. And so they went out and did whatever they wanted to. And not just that in our small. Yeah, and not just that. You give them anonymity. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you remember you can cover uh, up your face. Yeah. yeah, you remember a year ago, uh, jewelry stores started requiring you to not wear a mask in their stores. Yeah, you, you cannot wear a mask in the store because people are coming in and holding jewelry stores up. We live in a small community, relatively safe. We very much have uh, support our policing, but over the past two years, it's it's gotten really bad. It's gotten really bad, and I think that's something that everyone can can understand, sympathize, and empathize with because it has gotten worse everywhere. And if we're going to fix that, not only does the policing have to be supported, but criminals have to go to jail for committing crimes. Right. Or which brings us, it, yeah. Which brings us back to the charges question. A lot mm-hmm. of this stuff happens at the DA level. 
Uh, mm-hmm. DA is a political position more often than not. Uh, you vote, you sort of vote for your district attorney um, in most communities. And uh, that do, because of that, it is subject to uh, manipulation from mm-hmm. um, rich sources outside. Um, now, it, it, habitually, many people accuse you of anti-Semitism uh, when you bring up this particular name. But uh, and and it makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist. But when enough stuff is true, uh, you know, you say sometimes you sound like a conspiracy theorist. George Soros uh, spends a lot of money in uh, getting this kind of DA elected, and I think and I don't have the facts with me on this, but I believe that a Soros-funded district attorney was recently uh, put in place in Memphis. Um, I, I, I haven't looked at that. Program. I don't know. I've never, yeah. I've never even thought to look at that because, I mean, I think, you know, it's Memphis. It's right up the road from us. I, I, I heard that it was. I, I, I should have looked into it. I didn't, and I'm not going to – my keyboards are allowed. I'm not going to look it up right now. <laughs> but um, if that is true, let's just say if, um, this, this has a big impact um, because these district attorneys – these district attorneys – make it a point a part of their platform that they simply do not prosecute crime to the level that the community expects the community needs mm-hmm. um and and they they pass this off as some sort of racial justice um but the the reality on the ground is that you are favoring criminals over your citizenry and um, this is why, I mean, like it, we, we, we look at big cities like Memphis, Chicago uh, as, as danger hotspots in mm-hmm. maybe otherwise um, safe uh, states. But I mean, the entire state of California has adopted this model and people are leaving in droves. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Washington, Seattle has been really bad to the point that most of Washington um is affected. Um, Baltimore know. is awful. Baltimore is, it's Baltimore has been terrible. awful for as long as I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which I mean, is a, is a spill, is spillover effect from, from DC. Yeah. Um, DC is bad. So uh, y- you put in these, uh, put in place these DAs that won't prosecute crime that will give lenient sentence uh, that will fight for lenient sentences Keep in mind, the DA is the prosecutor. If you have a process, not the defender, not the defense attorney. If you have the prosecutor fighting for a reduced sentence, well, the defense attorney is obviously fighting for an even further reduced sentence. So um, it equals more criminals on the street. It's it's an equation that equals more criminals on the street. And it's all under the guise of, you know, criminal justice reform. Well, they're actually taking the term justice out of criminal reform. It's just, it's criminal reform, letting, letting crime criminals walk the streets freely. And, and it's, it's really doing damage to the cohesiveness of our country. It is, it is creating uh, a lot of social turmoil. And, you know, I, I frequently visit Memphis. You frequently visit Memphis. Uh, I will do less so now. Yeah. Because of, of things like this. Yeah, so. I, no. I mean, if anybody's living, listening from Memphis, I, I'm sorry. I, I hate your city. <laughs> like, I just I don't. 
like it. Um, but if you cannot protect your people from the predations of violent criminals, then you are not serving your function as a government. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's and, what government is for, to protect people. That's there. Right. That it, That is your primary function. Mm-hmm. Um, it, regar- regardless of all this other s- crap that you think that you're supposed to be doing with your power, the basic necessity for your existence is the protection of your citizenry. And the people of Memphis are not protected right now. No. Their mayor uh, is a Democrat. He is uh, supposedly liberal, but he is fighting um, for, he appears to be fighting for more stringent measures. Um, and well, he's lost, like said, he lost so much population to the suburbs as it is. You know, if, if you had a choice between living in Germantown or Memphis, where would you live? You know, uh, so oh, yeah. I, the suburbs of Memphis, uh, including North Mississippi, but also Arlington, Germantown, Cordova, all those places. Um, people people are living there and driving into Memphis if they have to. People are figuring out since virtual work, hey, I don't have to do that anymore. So he's trying to keep a city and yeah. and uh, putting criminal taking criminals off the street, put them in behind bars. That's that's how you do it. Yeah, so it's it's city management one on one. And if you're letting um, evil funders of uh, chaos and anarchy to sway the politics in your city uh you need to be aware of that and you need to be be putting a stop to it uh barring that you probably just need to leave um i I think we need to start having serious conversations with uh, regards to some of these um bluer areas let's say Mm -hmm. where there comes a point like you can't turn the tide you need to Get get out get to safety protect your family like i have a i have a general rule um i'm i I carry a gun just about everywhere i go i'm I'm a strong advocate for the second amendment um but i will not go places where i feel like i have to have a gun to go like if i feel like i'm not safe unless i'm carrying my firearm i don't go to those places and memphis is not on that list and and it's because i got to protect my family if i if i'm going somewhere where i feel like i have to carry a gun to protect my family i don't need to be there so if you're living in one of those places you don't have to. You don't have to. Go protect your family. Go somewhere else. Right. I didn't put my banner. I, I'm still learning the technology, guys. I, I just put up my, <laughs> my banner. Um, well, okay. What well, now that I put up my banner, it's it's probably time to move on to the next topic. Move on to the next one. <laughs> to move on to the next one. Uh, the queen is dead. Long live the king. Um, Queen Elizabeth has died, passed away at the age of 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away on Thursday. She uh, assumed the throne at 25 years old, and she was the longest serving monarch in British history. She served for 70 years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Now, you and I, I, we don't know much about uh, the way British politics works um i've i've studied up on it a little bit in the past few days um and and really what we imagine when we think of monarchs is we we typically imagine um all-powerful uh Mm -hmm. tyrants maybe not evil um in in per se but all-powerful 
that's really not the case. I don't know when it changed, but uh, obviously the monarchy in in British uh, in Britain is uh, very symbolic. Uh, it's very it, it's not really even political. It's more cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have thoughts on this. Um, but first, I wanted to to play something that um, was I, I felt was relevant. Um, this uh, video is from uh, September 13th, mm-hmm. 2001. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, from Britain. And we are told that at the request of the Queen, the Coldstream Guards band played the Star Spangled Banner. Let's listen. <laughs> That's so, very good. I mean, just a quick critique. It could have been a little faster, but uh, it was that was very. That tells you a lot about her. Um, that it's not a small deal that you ask your top military ensemble in the country to play someone else's national anthem. That's not a small small deal. Um, the history of our national anthem. Um, right. Uh, that's I what I was that. thinking. Like, like I, I'm I'm sure she knows it. Um, yeah. Or knew it. Uh, our national anthem time. was written during the War of eighteen twelve, Battle of Baltimore. Sir Francis got key on an enemy ship, which was the Britons. And right. uh, so the second verse is very anti-England. Like people forget our national anthem has four verses. Uh, the second verse is very anti-England. I know they're our biggest ally in the world today, but when it was written, it was not. And so that that gesture is no small gesture. And, um, yeah, it wasn't, and it wasn't the Marine Band playing it, but it was still very good. And, and that's a, an important point to bring up because she's, she is n- no small factor in the fact that they are our biggest ally. Like yeah. we, we forget she served for 70 years. That is a long time. Like our relationship with Britain was very like, it wasn't hostile, but it was very different on the other side yes. of that 70 years. I mean, 70 years ago, I, I, the first picture she took with the U S president was Harry S. Truman when she was 21, when she was princess still. Um, that was the first. When you, I, Most people don't. You say Harry S. Truman, they can't even picture where he was in American history. That was so long ago. Right. Um, and and like you said, we're not, we're not uh, experts on British government, but we know that they are a constitutional monarchy so that their monarch doesn't serve in the, the tyrannical position. I'm not sure when that changed, but, you know, we know American government and American government, we have 
the judiciary, we have the legislative one, we have the executive branch. Well, in, in the British government, they have the same thing, but they also have the monarchy, which is symbolic. And yeah, when this happened, uh, I made jokes like a lot of Americans do. You watched that Jordan uh, Peterson oh, video. Yes, I did watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched uh, it too. Because uh, I wanted to do research for this. And so I watched a lot of things about about um, both positive and negative. I was amazed to watch and read some of the things that I read about. Basically, I think, I, I'm, I'm thankful. I wouldn't say I thank God because the people who said this aren't God fearers, but they were thankful that she was dead. They are truly ignorant and i'm not trying to be ugly but they're, they're truly ignorant of who she was and what she did over her her lifespan and they're truly ignorant of the role that that england and queen elizabeth ii in particular played in uh the advancements in the western world we we owe a lot to that lady um we actually know someone who who had a great story he passed away a few years ago he had a great story about uh, meeting Queen El Queen Elizabeth, she was Princess Elizabeth when he when he met her during World War II. Um, but it was it, it, she was she was a unique individual, and um, uh, I, I wish Charles all the 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 luck in the world. But there's no way he can fill her shoes. Right, and and that's that's an that's the further points to make on the in this in this conversation. She uh, defined a lot of the the relationship. So like. She mm -hmm. was queen. Uh, she was a good queen to England in that symbolic uh, status, in that symbolic position, because she knew her place. In yes. in the she she did not involve herself in politics. She she served as a a cultural ambassador for her mm -hmm. empire, and she she developed relationships with world leaders around the globe mm -hmm. from a purely uh, person like person at a personality level, not, mm -hmm. not from a, a political power level. And she, she fully understood her role. When you have someone who is, and you and I have experienced this in real life. Uh, when you have someone who is so good at what they do and they do it for so long, <laughs> the the thing that comes next is it is dangerous like yeah. it, it's it's a problem because um you know he and i don't know a lot about charles um i know what i, I feel like most average americans know that you know right was his wife they got divorced there's all this yeah. scandal around their 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 bedroom lives and, and all that um that so, I, I know what an average american knows about him he may be a competent leader and he may understand his role, but you know, he's not going to serve as long as his mom did. No. Uh, he doesn't have that many years left. No. Um, and, and then after him would be William. William, I believe. Yeah. William. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, I, I do, I pray for the UK um, mm -hmm. and, and any territory that, that had a, a, cultural connection to the queen um because this is a this is a time of turmoil um yes. for them and that she didn't serve in an officially political capacity um but i think what we've seen like if 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 the past few years have taught us anything um the person in political power is important 
but the person and cultural power is just as important. Uh, yeah, you, so you know, we, when we this did. happened, we we met and we talked about it. We saw each other that night, and um, I, I made the typical Ron Swanson joke that, that history began July 4, 1776, everything before that was a mistake. Um, but you, you made a good point. I, I've always known that it was a, a figurehead, not in a negative way, but it, it was a position that held the social norms together. And, and you made a good point that I want you to make again, and let's talk about that. Yeah, so, uh, and, and it's basically the same. We, we watched a Jordan Peterson video. That he put out a video from a speech he was doing the day she died, and he talked about her passing away and sort of what that might mean next for Britain. Um, but it, it was along the same line. He said that the monarchy served as a fourth symbolic branch of government. What mm -hmm. I said is that the the monarchy serves in Britain the same purpose that Hollywood serves in America. Now, Hollywood, and we don't talk, conservatives don't like to talk about it in the political sphere, but it is a keystone. Like, it, it is so important to not only hold D.C. accountable, but to hold L.A. accountable. Because yeah. they wield so much power in our culture um they don't have they don't hold political office usually but there is a a separation between celebrity and political that we have sort of honored um mm -hmm. for many decades even when ronald reagan was president like he was a celebrity and then he was a president he yeah. was not he never crossed the uh, the streams to use a ghostbuster mm -hmm. reference um, he, he knew his political role. He knew his celebrity role and he kept them separate. Um, I think really with Barack Obama is when that sort of all fell apart. Uh, he, he was Obama, our first celebrity president. Yeah. Absolutely. Barack Obama loved being popular. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, got paid millions of dollars to do so. Yeah. And he loved wielding political power and he did both of them. Um, mm -hmm. and um, then Donald Trump, it all just got confused. Right. And then we elect a, a reality TV show host as president. Um, that Hollywood serves a, a, a very important role in our culture. And I mm -hmm. think um, what you see when that pillar of society sort of rots at the at the root, um, you, you, you have what we have now in America. And I, I fear that for Britain. Because yeah, their, their cultural pillar stood st mm -hmm. stood strong for 70 years. That's right. And you're not going to find one as solid to replace it with. You know, the things that came out of Hollywood 40 years ago would be unthinkable today. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not because it was brazen or, or, or bad. It's because they openly made fun of both sides and you you can't make fun of the left today if you're from hollywood you you literally cannot the purpose um, of your your cultural pillar is to unify you yes and if you Even, can't make fun despite of your sides, differences yeah right and, and hollywood's purpose right now is to divide us i i mean purposefully they, they are clearly aligned with one side and they use their their wield their power to bludgeon the other side yeah. And it's it's obvious to everyone, um, and it's it's a cause for a lot of the problems that we have today. Sure, sure. Um, so the queen, uh, she she did she did well. She did her job well. Um, 
she, yeah, you know, had there, there were problems within her reign. Uh, nothing is perfect, but uh, mostly with her know, family. She, mostly, mostly with her family, exactly. Yeah, yeah. mostly with her family. Uh, we'll we'll see what comes next. We wish them Godspeed. Obviously, we know that they're going to be mourning and grieving. There are so, the vast majority. I'm not talking like a few. The vast majority of Britons do not know uh, Great Britain without the Queen. Yeah, they they don't know it. And so it's going to be a, a time for turmoil for them. And I hope, I hope they get on sure footing. Uh, we, we need them. They need us. And, and we hope that they can pull together and pull behind their new king and that he serves well. I, I certainly, I, I wish him the best. I really do. I, because, um, you know, and you don't want to see anybody's like country suffer. Um, and you know, when obviously they, they've, you know, after such a legacy, you know, she did yeah. so many things so right. Um, and, and that 9-11 video, like, I, I don't, I'm emotionally dead in general. Um, you know, things that have happened to me in my life that people will often think back on and, and get emotional about, like 9-11. Um, I don't really do that. Um, I, I, I don't, if it's not... It's got to be like a, a a ten out of ten on the on the emotional scale to face. See a bunch of Brits crying during our national and, and, anthem. That's well, pretty good. I mean, they brought it back. Like I yeah, I, I sure was did. I was in fifth grade um, it, okay. at, at nine eleven, um, and uh, it was you know I could sense that it was a moment, but it wasn't a wasn't a moment that I could fully appreciate. Sure. Um, sure. But to I mean I've seen I, I've watched some footage this year. And yeah, it, it's it's rough, and and just that we had someone who who valued their relationship with our country so mm-hmm. much that they would do that. Uh, it, it's like when Notre Dame burned, you know. Yeah, and, and people yeah. came out yeah. for the free. world mourned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it, it's it was moving, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that will lead us into into our next um, final top story. Yeah, our, our, our segment that we are, are doing that, as we talked about last week, make shame great again. We, we believe that shame is uh, a tool that people do not use anymore. They feel like shame is bad. And uh, this week for make shame great, great again, we want to talk about the horrendous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Um, uh, if you look in the headlines and you read, we know that Al-Qaeda is again surging in Afghanistan. It has become a safe haven for terrorists like it was leading up to 9-11. Uh, just last month, a Al-Qaeda leader, a terrorist, uh, Al-Zwahari, was, uh, was killed. It has been 376 days from that awful withdrawal, and there are Americans that are still stranded, as well as many Afghan allies. People, people forget, don't forget to change the banner, Jeff. Um, people forget that there were those last several years of the war that uh, the Afghans were doing much of the work. We were doing trainings. We were in partnership with them, but they were learning to be special operators in, in the likeness of our special operators here in the U.S. They were helping us with the war efforts. And those people aren't just left behind. They are actively being hunted by Al-Qaeda and by the Taliban, who we left in charge. Like, I don't know how the left convinced half of America that leaving the Taliban in charge was a good idea. 
uh, I remember friends of mine going to war and dying to fight them. That's what I remember. Um, it is shameful, shameful what we have, have uh, the, the tatters of civilization that we have left in Afghanistan. And uh, you want to talk about pictures that will wake you up. You remember when all this happened a year ago, seeing people um, hoist their newborns to the American soldiers, like, just, just take my baby. And that that'll wake you up if you're if you are emotionally dead on the inside. And it is shameful what our government is not doing to help the Americans and the allies that have been left behind. Right. So to, to put the obvious points in place. Um, so to, we're shaming the Biden administration specifically. Yes. And and we are doing and We are talking about this um, because um, we are at the anniversary of 9-11. But let us not forget that that was the the uh, point at which Joe Biden wanted to have America out of Afghanistan for the symbolic victory of him being the president that removed us from that war by the 20th anniversary of 9-11. 20th anniversary was last year. He wanted to be out before then so that he could, it, you know, Obama talked about getting out of Afghanistan. He, could, uh, he couldn't do it. Donald Trump talked about getting out of Afghanistan. He couldn't do it. They did not do it because they were smarter than Joe Biden and they understood the once they got into office, they understood the massive stupidity behind that decision. But Joseph R. Biden is not a smart person uh, and went full steam ahead. Last year, he got 13 people killed, 13 American soldiers. He got more people killed and uh, and then killed a, a family of seven uh, that he uh, because he didn't pulled, have good intel because he pulled out like an because idiot. He pulled because he poured false blame on the, uh, this family of seven, so he bombed their car. Um, th these are all things that Joe Biden did last year uh, so that he could have the symbolic victory of being out of Afghanistan before the 9-11 20th anniversary. And yeah, so I, there I, are a few I things named, that get me this fired up in, in this topic. I, it makes me mad. <laughs> this topic I, I, I named this episode Never Forget. Never Forget was the promise that we made on 9-11. That That's we right. would never forget the the so and I wanted to go into what that means. What are you not forgetting? You are not forgetting the lives that were lost on that day, but you are also not forgetting that there is evil in this world that wants to hurt you just because you are an American and because your country is on top. And I think that we have failed in that promise. Yes. There's, and there's I, no think, doubt I, I think the Biden administration is the proof of that because they have turned over the very country that we went to dominate where the where the al-qaeda was we went to root them out and destroy them those people are now in charge of the country they're yeah, rising in power baffling. in the country baffling uh, so you know you talked about never forget you were in fifth grade i was in seventh grade I had to do, uh, uh, I partook in a video uh, last week uh, that was to to commemorate this event being the 21st anniversary. And they just asked me, where was I? You know, I went through where I, I we all have stories, but everyone who's our age, we were in school, so on and so forth. Uh, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you what teacher's class I was in. I can tell you what they did in school day. I, I remember it very vividly. But I only had 30 seconds to talk about that. And I ended it with, 
that day I learned what evil was in the world. That is how I ended that. And uh, my students didn't quite grasp that. They didn't understand that there were people out there who hated us just because we're American, who lead chants of death to America, who, who um, call us the great Satan. And it's pe people forget this. It is because the United States sends more missionaries for Christianity across the world than any other country. That is why they hate us. We are promoters of Christianity. Don't ever forget that. That is why they attacked us because they could and they were trying to shake the pillars of Christianity. You know, people won't talk about separation of, of church and state and they don't understand that phrase. They don't understand where it came from. They don't understand that that doesn't mean you can't have religion in the government. It means keep the government out of religion, but evil exists. And um, I used to be in my, my younger days when I was young and dumb and in my 20s, because most 20s, 20 somethings, love y'all, you're young and dumb about some things as I was. And I was very much an, uh, an isolationist. Like, we don't need to play world police. We don't need to go over there. Like, that's, that's none of our. And then I learned that um, foreign policy doesn't exist in a vacuum, it is a zero sum game. If we are not promoting our morals and our ideals, someone else is promoting theirs. So the question isn't whether we should be over there or not, which is how it's framed, right? You know, why, why is America over there? Why are they playing world police? The question is, do you want our morals and, and our history and, and uh, our virtues signaled across the world? Or do you want Russians or do you want China's? Because it will be filled by someone. It is being filled by evil nations now. I, uh, I understand the need to be like the, the, the desire to be isolationist. You just want everybody to be home, everybody to leave us alone. That's not going to happen. Uh, and so like people don't understand this at, at all. We still have a significant military presence in Germany. Yes. It has been over 70 years. We have a foothold in Germany. We have virtually no risk of Germany deciding to attack us right now. But we have not let go of that foothold. And now people say, well, that's just, we have a military branch over there so that we can support Germany. No, we put it there to keep them in line. And if you have enemies that are coming after you on your soil, you need to, you go to their house and you live there now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I live there now. Yeah. I, I'm not... I am, and Republicans need to learn about this too, because they they are adopting the wrong message. They are adopting yes. this soft. Me well, we need to go and we need to promote democracy and we need to help liberate the oppressed people of their countries. No. no, the world is suffering. Life is suffering, and and they were dealt a bad hand. They were born in some of the worst places to live in this world. But we are over there to make sure our Americans are safe at home mm -hmm. because and and too bad. Like, like you don't, if you don't want us there because we're, we're invading your country too bad. If you want isolation, it, 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 it is what led to Pearl Harbor. It is yes. what led to nine 11. It yes. is a poor policy. The worst atrocities in our history 
were performed because America wasn't kicking people's faces in overseas. Yeah, but just because we have big oceans on either side does not mean that we're untouchable um, at all, especially in the days of of technology. I mean, hypersonic missiles can get here within minutes. Like, no, we need to be there to stop it before it happens. I'm not interested in nation. I mean, Mm. if we can help while we're there, that's a great additive, but it is not why we are there. We are there to protect America and her interests. That's why we are there. We are there to protect the the American families. And we are able to do that. And we are able to promote our morals and values while we're at it. But we're there to protect the homeland. Right. And when you say we're over there to build democracy, George W. Bush, you're losing the message. Yes. We, We never need to stray away from the message. The military exists to kill people and to break things. That is why the military exists. And when we send them over there, that is what they are to be doing in order to protect us. That is what you say. I mean, that you lose that narrative and then you have communists signing up for the military because they don't understand why the military exists. That's the different conversation. But like people need to know when they sign up, that's what's expected of you. And so in the past 21 years, uh, well, for the first 20 of the 21 years, um, Afghanistan was doing better. Uh, the American president yeah. was better. Uh, my uncle, who is no longer with us, served over there. And I remember his last deployment. You know, I would call him regularly once every other week or so. And, and I'll go, how's it going? You know, and he's like, man, it's nothing like war. And I'm like, that's great. You know, that, that, that's great. I, I'm yeah. glad that it's nothing like war. Because I remember your first deployment. And I remember you hanging the phone up on me because you were like, oh, mortar attack. Got to go by. Right. It was completely different country. But now... In a matter of a year, a matter of a year, it's going back to where it was before we got right. There. People That's don't understand. Like we had zero deaths for years in mm-hmm. Afghanistan. We had a a a relatively minuscule presence. Mm-hmm. I this was a win. We had won. We had won. All we had to do was was keep a presence. But we had won. Yeah. Um, and people, and people our, were, our military members were not dying. And in the yeah. Afghan military, they had they had sacrificed fifty thousand people to this war. Like they were they were suffering loss, and they were glad we were there to help them, to teach them, to train them. Um, there are more deaths. There are more deaths because of that awful withdrawal over the past year than there would have been had we stayed. It was a purely symbolic, idiotic move by the shameful. I want to keep bringing that up. Shameful White House, and I'm going to specifically say Joseph Robinette Biden. It, it was it was clearly his choice from the top down. You look at all the reports that came out. Uh, I, I challenge every listener at home right now to look up the suicide statistics for our um, for our servicemen before the pullout and after the pullout, uh, because there were so many people who were distraught over knowing that their friends and their other operators that they knew over there were going to be hunted and killed that they killed themselves. And again, I lay that at the shameful feet of Joseph Joseph Biden. It is his fault. Yeah. And and we could talk about the optics that came out after when the oh, military yeah. service men and uh, men and women that died came home. Mm-hmm. Joseph Robinette Biden checking his watch because mm-hmm. he had to go catch Matlock. But I mean, we we could go on and on about this. That this yeah. was a catastrophe from beginning to end, and uh, people like all across the country need to wisen up about this stuff. You you cannot keep the demons at bay 
unless you were in the demon's house. Never forget. Yeah, never forget. And and we have. We are we have. I I it's it's incredibly frustrating. And this is yeah. what weak leadership does. Let 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 yeah. us let us not forget. This is the first link in the chain that led to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That has led to uh, the Iran deal being back on the table. Oh my god! That has yeah. led to all of the growth that China is trying. Like mm-hmm. all your your heightened gas prices that started with Afghanistan. Yeah, no doubt. Because without Afghanistan, Russia doesn't feel as comfortable invading as they did, Mm-mm. and we're not relying. We shouldn't have been relying on Russia for all of our gas anyway. Europe, um, anyway, but they're not being uh, sanctioned. A mm-hmm. lot of things are different. I'm not saying mm-hmm. things would be perfect. We would still probably be in an economic downturn. Um, it might even still be really bad, but you can trace it back to that decision. Yeah. 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 Speaking of the awful white house, let's go ahead and go on to that. Our last segment, the, the white house gaffe of the week. Uh, last week we talked about our, our good friend, white house, Karen and uh, her, her gaffes. Uh, <laughs> but this week we have a, a different white house staffer. Uh, right. This we, one we in just, an elected position. Yeah. We decided that, um, well, nobody voted for Kamala Harris. Yeah. No, no one voted for Kamala Harris. <laughs> but, um, we decided there's so much, this is just going to be the tyranny segment. It's got to be because the things that are coming out of this white house are so dangerous. They are so it's demagoguery up and down. Mm -hmm. It is designed Mm -hmm. to, to separate you. It is designed to, um, to uh, make us more uh, divided. Mm -hmm. And, and and this is leading to violence. It's going to come like people, you need to be aware of what is going on. Because this is going nowhere good, and it's going there very quickly. Um, so let's play this clip of Chuck Todd and Kamala Harris. Look, we're at the 21st um, marking, if you will, of the September 11th attacks. Yeah. This was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy, yeah. attacking this country. Yeah. We're now, as a nation, battling a threat from within. Is the threat yeah. equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, I have held many elected offices as district attorney, attorney general, senator, now vice president. And there's an oath that we always take, which is to defend and uphold our constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't compare the two in the oath, but we know they both can exist and we must defend against it. Look, we're at the, look, we're at the tw- So, How hard is it to say no? No, the, the 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 domestic problems that we have, and there are domestic problems. Sure, I'm, I'm I have a feeling that that's not what he's talking about. Um, are not nearly as bad as the threats we faced on 9/11. How how hard is that to say? Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot to unpack here. So first of all, Kamala Harris actually. Um, expressed a thought without repeating the same word 20 times. Uh, and when she actually did do that, uh, she decided to come up. This is the garbage she came up with. Um, the, the, they are comparing um, the enemies foreign and the enemies domestic. The enemies foreign are clearly 
the terrorists that we um, we fought against after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, who were the enemies domestic? I have a feeling they're if talking you, if, about if, the yeah. insurrectionist, which they have now labeled as any Republican that disagrees with. Right. The, the new term that they've, and, and they're, they're throwing around a few different terms, semi-fascists, mm-hmm. uh, MAGA Republicans. Mm-hmm. These are these are who the administration is are, are labeling their enemies. Um, so if you believe that, um, you know, we shouldn't just roll over and do whatever Democrats tell us to do all the time. Uh, if you believe that um, America is in a worse spot today than it was four or even twenty years ago, um, then then you're an enemy. You're, you are a domestic enemy, and we have to protect the Constitution from you. That is set a, aside a, the fact that she's not interested in protecting. Yeah, set aside the fact that she's not interested in uh, protecting the Constitution from anyone. No, she wanted to pack the court whenever she was getting elected, whenever she was running for president, whenever she had her her failed run at, at president uh, before she, she became the, the diversity yeah. pick for vice president. What she, what she, she wants was okay oath. with packing the court. Right. What she wants the oath to say is to protect the country. From enemies, foreign and domestic, um, and and she thinks she's protecting the country from you, from you that the the, the person that has the gall to disagree with with her and her elite um, allies, and this is we, you know, it, the mask has been fully off for some time now. Yeah, they think you're an enemy. And they probably don't even think you're that dangerous. They just want to uh, an excuse to silence you, to censor you, uh, to eventually, maybe not this administration, but the next, maybe the one after that, eventually commit violence against you for and, not and telling the And if you bring up the fact. If you bring up the fact that, well, there's two sides here and the side you're threatening is the side with guns, they'll threaten you with an F-15, like the president did. Right. Yeah, we got F-15. So you're now going to bomb an American citizen because we disagreed politically? Like this type of rhetoric to make you make your enemy Satan is dangerous. I, I disagree with Kamala Harris a great deal. I disagree with Joe Biden. I disagree with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. You can go on. You can name all the names. I disagree with them. Um, But to call them an enemy of the Constitution, to call them an enemy of the country, to set it as me versus them, and and I'm going to have to, to do something to protect, which what must you do to protect? You must fight. That is dangerous rhetoric. I mean, I'm going to push it back against you on this because um, when you start engaging in this type of rhetoric, I'm not just going to roll over and let them say that I'm an enemy and not treat them as an enemy. Now, obviously I am, I don't condone anybody going out and committing violence against your political opponents, but um, that is where this is headed. It will get there. Eventually it it has already gotten there in certain places Mm -hmm. Um, and like, they, they don't think anything of these words. They don't, they say them without any consideration whatsoever. They don't have any mind for the, the consequences of this rhetoric. 
um, but their their supporters are listening. Yeah, you, well, you can only sit on the sidelines for so long, right? Uh, we started a podcast because we have to get ideas out there, and and our ideas are always right. So we we have to get ideas out there. You you, you can't sit on the sidelines forever. Um, you have to engage in the political machine if if you want to uh, make change and and have your ideas promoted over the other guys' ideas. Right. Um, I, I, they're wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to lose friendships over people who disagree with me politically, but it's Certainly. amazing how many people will. Yeah. It is and, and amazing how, how much yeah. this, this uh, rhetoric affects people to where, you know, you're, you're one of those evil, awful MAGA Republicans. You're one of these terrible people. And, and because of that, I can't even associate. With you. Right. And, and let's be clear. Like, I'm not saying that Kamala Harris is my enemy as a Democrat. I'm saying she's my enemy because she has labeled herself that. And because mm-hmm. uh, these, th- this is not, this is not Democrat demagoguery. This is, this is communism manifesto. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Like this. Yeah, these, class these warfare. Are, these, yeah. So these yeah. are communists. And and if you label yourself a communist, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that you're you're my enemy because there's nothing redeemable uh, about that uh, that theology, which is what nothing. it is. It is um, yes, it, it is an anti-God theology, which right. you on those words for a little bit. Yeah. Well, Stephen, I think that that's our time. Yeah, I um, think uh, I think we hit all the things that we wanted to get today. Um, those are the big stories of the week, and uh, right. We hope everybody listening will will comment, subscribe, like, uh, give us feedback. Uh, got a got a microphone this week due to feedback from last week, so I really appreciate uh, everyone listening and, and helping us grow and get better. And uh, we're we're just trying to put the right ideas out there. That, that's that's what we're trying to do. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast. Uh, we have an Always Right with Jeff and Stephen page on Facebook and a channel on YouTube. Uh, you may uh, follow me at court underscore Jeffster on Twitter if you so wish. Uh, and you may follow Stephen at Okra Hug uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, lots of D2 sports this week, buddy. You're going to see a lot of that on there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to hide you. <laughs> um, we didn't get to as much this week as we did last week. Well, I guess we have one less story than we did last yeah. week. We are going to do what we feel uh, is uh, are the top stories of the week um, mm-hmm. and get to as much as we can within an hour uh, going forward. So uh, thank you all for listening, for watching, and we hope that you will tune in next time. Thank you. Be blessed. <laughs>